Friday. I am Austin Evans with Mama Mystery News, and we are back with headlines. I'm here with the anchor of the show, <laughs> Kelly. And I am the co-anchor, Austin. <laughs> and here we go. We're still working out our intro, if you couldn't <laughs> tell. <laughs> one of these days, we're going to come up with one. But um, this episode is unlike our typical episodes, if you are new here. Uh, we typically cover true crime stories on our regular episodes. And then on Fridays, we do headlines, which are an accumulation of stories from throughout the week. Yep. And then at the end, Austin will share some good news, some positive news, a positive story. And boy, have I got one today. Are you are you looking for one right now? No, or do you I have it saved. You already do? Yeah, babe. Okay. I'm excited to hear it. Let's go. All right. The first story today is about a man in Illinois who has been found after being missing for months. So in April of 2022, Jennifer Madge, I think that's how you say her name, it's either Madge or Mage, reported that her husband Richard was missing after he called her to say that he was coming home from work early, but then left his car at home and just disappeared. In his car, his wallet and keys were still there, but Richard was nowhere to be found. So when police searched their home, they didn't find any evidence of him in the home. However, they did describe the house as one of those hoarder houses Mm -hmm. and that, you know, it had a bad smell Typically, hoarder houses do kind of smell, Um, but they said that it smelled of sewage throughout the home. Okay, so I used to watch Hoarders, the show on A&E, and there was one episode, and if you have ever watched this show, you're going to know exactly who I'm talking about, but there was a woman who lived by herself, and she kept her poop, and she would like poop in a bucket and just keep it. So she had literal buckets of poop all throughout her house. And I mean, that you can imagine so how bad it smelled. And when they said, do you understand why your house smells? She's like, yeah, it's musty, mold and dust. Oh my <laughs> goodness. No, she was wrong. She was very, very quite wrong. Um, she had buckets of poop all over her house. That was the last episode of Hoarders that I ever watched because I, that really did me in. That's and I, gnarly. I can handle a lot, but that really... That really pushed me over the edge. So anyway, I can't watch that anymore. But anyway, um, a search was launched for Richard, and investigators spent a lot of resources searching for him, and they searched the house. They posted missing persons posters all over town. His family posted about him on social media, urging the public to keep an eye out for him. Months went by with no sign of Richard, and then on December 11th of last year, Jennifer was going through a closet in a bedroom to pull out some Christmas decorations. And as she was grabbing it. No way. Don't say it. As she was pulling a tote from the storage closet, she found Richard's body. Oh, man. So she called 911. Richard's body was in an advanced state of decomposition. And an autopsy revealed last week that he had committed suicide by hanging himself in that closet eight <sighs> months prior. Oh, my gosh. That's so, insane. When police initially searched the house, they had a hard time really searching because of the abundance of just stuff in the home, right? But the smell of sewage was already present. And when they went back a second time to search, the smell remained. So I guess they probably assumed that the smell was from the condition of the house and not coming from a dead body. 
but I don't know enough details about this story to know if the smells could have overlapped, like if it smelled bad before he ever went missing and maybe like they couldn't smell his body because the house already smelled terrible. But like, how do you mistake? I mean, the smell of a decomposing body is unmistakable. It's unforgettable. And people say like, once you smell it, you never forget that smell. Mm-hmm. So like, I just have questions. I need to know, like, what state was the house in for there to be a dead body in it for eight months and nobody know? That's... I don't know. I got nothing on that. That's freaking nuts, though. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that it's like, it's a it's a mental illness to be a hoarder. I mean, mm-hmm. there's mental illnesses that, that weave their way into becoming a hoarder. And, you know, there's a variety. I know that. But I just... This is a sad story. That's next level. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, on to the next one. A Covington, Georgia man who was on a business trip in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, has been found dead more than a week after he went missing. According to authorities, on February 22nd, 42-year-old Nathan Millard went to a Louisiana State University basketball game with a client of his, a work client. Mm -hmm. And then after the game, he and this client went to a gentleman's club before going back to an Irish pub near the game. Texas EcuSearch, which is a volunteer like search team, said that Nathan Millard left the bar at around 11.30 p.m. to go back to his Courtyard Marriott Hotel, but he never made it back to the hotel and his phone and wallet were found discarded. He was spotted at a Greyhound bus station in the early morning hours the next day. According to a security guard, he kind of seemed like he was out of place. So this security guard offered to get him a ride, like a Uber, but Nathan declined and then left. His debit cards were used at various ATMs throughout the night, and he was also spotted on multiple security cameras in the area, but he was last caught on camera around 4.30 that morning but police declined to say where he was last seen because it was part of their investigation. He was supposed to be meeting that same client at 8 a.m. later that morning, but never showed up and never responded to any calls or texts. So the client called the hotel to ask them to perform a well check, but Nathan was not in his room, and it looked like his bed hadn't been slept in. Weird. So a search for Nathan ensued, and Texas EcuSearch, along with other volunteers, searched the downtown Baton Rouge area. His phone was found blocks away from Happy's Irish Pub, which is the pub they went to earlier that night. And then, ultimately, he was found less than two miles away from where he was last seen. He was found wrapped in plastic and rolled up in a carpet or rug. What? So he was found near this cinder block vacant building, like in a vacant lot. This man who was riding a motorcycle at about 3.30 in the morning, literally more than a week later after he had been missing, smelled this foul smell coming from this area and stopped because his gut just told him he had to see where it was coming from. And he, he initially said that he assumed maybe it was like discarded food or maybe a dead animal, but it was just so pungent he had to look. So he gets out his flashlight and he's searching this abandoned building, if you want to call it that. It's really small. It's like the size of a garage. Mm-hmm. And um, he finds this rolled up carpet 
And then he looks at the end of the carpet and saw feet sticking out of it. Oh, that's freaking eerie. Yeah. So a preliminary autopsy report found that there was no internal or external trauma to his body, but toxicology reports could take weeks to come back. And in a newly released surveillance video, Nathan could be seen walking along a road in the early morning hours of the 23rd with an unidentified man in a white shirt. The client that he was with earlier that night and that he was in surveillance video with was wearing a blue shirt. So this is not likely to be the client. This has to be somebody else. He couldn't have just changed his shirt? I mean, sure. But it just seems like they they parted ways because they were at Happy's Irish Pub. And then Nathan left because I read reports that he had been served enough. And the bartender was like, I'm cutting you off. So Nathan left and the client stayed and... I don't know if the client just assumed he was going back to the hotel or if Nathan told him that he was, but they parted ways. Okay. So now police have said that they do not suspect any foul play. That's weird. Exactly. Roll yourself up in bubble wrap on a carpet? Yeah. They do believe that somebody moved his body and dumped it in that vacant lot. And, you know, even his family has come out and said that maybe it was an accidental overdose. But still, that doesn't explain how he ended up in the carpet mm-hmm. if found two miles away. Yeah, that makes no sense. That's like that one you had recently where the lady, like there was the fire and the lady was found in the woods dead and everything and mm-hmm. they said it was a suicide. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually our next story. What? So the Nathan Millard case reminds me a lot of the Debbie Collier case. I did not know this was next. That was not scripted. It really wasn't. But if you don't know the details about that case, we did cover it in episode 105. But at the time, it was still an open investigation. So Debbie Collier was 59 years old. She was working as an office manager in Athens, Georgia. She was last seen alive on September 10th last year, purchasing several items from a family dollar more than an hour north of her home. At the family dollar, she purchased things like paper towels, a torch, a lighter, a rain poncho, tarp, and some cleaning supplies. Then she sat in her car for a few minutes before sending a Venmo of $2,385 to her daughter, Amanda, with a cryptic message saying, quote, They are not going to let me go. Love you. There is a key to the house in the blue flower pot by the door, end quote. So her daughter Amanda called police and also some of Debbie's family to let her let them know what was going on. And in one of the calls, Debbie's sister Diane calls 911 and tells them about this encounter that Di- or Debbie had not long before, about a month prior with an ex-con. So apparently Debbie was driving behind a truck when a paint can fell off the back of the truck and hit Debbie's car, which caused a bunch of damage to her car and paint, of course, went everywhere. And the driver of the truck begged Debbie not to tell the cops that he was driving because he was out on parole and was not supposed to be driving. But Amanda also quickly became a person of interest when people started looking into her lengthy record of domestic violence disputes and drug charges with her boyfriend. So there was just a lot of stuff kind of swirling this case, a lot of just unanswered questions. But Debbie was ultimately found the next day on September 11th in the Chattop... 
uh, I'm going to butcher this. It's Chattahoochee Okani National Forest south of Clayton, which is about a 90-minute drive from her home in Athens. She was discovered a few feet downhill from the site of a small fire that burnt up many of her belongings, and her rental van was parked right along the highway that ran parallel to the tree line. So it looked like she just kind of parked her car off the highway, went into the woods. Set a fire. And that's where she was. Uh She was found naked. Her clothes were folded neatly and stacked beside where she was found. So weird. Um, she had been burned. She had soot in her nostrils, and she was also grasping at a tree. So initially, it was called a homicide. However, it was later changed to a suicide, and her autopsy report revealed that the burns were on more than 80% of her body. Also in the report, it was found that she had hydrocodone in her system. Although she had a prescription for the opioid painkiller, the hydrocodone levels in her system surpassed the expected amount roughly four times over. Oh, shit. So with that, her official cause of death was suicide by inhalation of superheated gases, thermal injuries, and hydrocodone intoxication. Still really weird. It's very weird, and I just don't know that I'm really buying it all the way yet. I actually ended up looking up statistics and how often suicides occur by fire. Less than 1%. Uh, that's interesting you looked it up because, like, yeah, I couldn't imagine it would be many. Mm-hmm. I can't believe 1%. That's crazy, but... Mm-hmm. Well, and often they're done in a sacrificial manner. It's, you know, some sort of protest or political statement that mm-hmm. someone's trying to make. Um, and so that's sometimes why it happens. But this just being as random as it is, I don't get it. I don't feel like that sets well with me, that it was ruled a suicide. There's just too much. If it was a suicide, why would she say they won't let me go? Mm-hmm. The only solution or explanation I can come to is that she's talking about like the demons in her mind. You know, like if it is a suicide, maybe she's right. like, these demons in my mind won't let me go. Mm-hmm. But she also tried to send a text to her son And all it said was, I love you, but it just was never sent. But then why only send the Venmo to Amanda and not your husband or your son? I mean... And Amanda had a history of stealing from her, right? Amanda had a history of stealing from her boyfriend or her boyfriend was stealing from her. Like, there was just a lot of drama, just a lot of toxic behavior. Um, But, of course, that that painted her in this bad light. Everyone was really looking at her initially thinking she had something to do with this because it's just so bizarre. Right. So anyway, they've ruled it a suicide. I don't know if they're going to reopen it because, I mean, it sounds like it's a shut case now. So I guess we'll see what happens. But I don't, I don't know. I want to know your thoughts. Um, let us know on Instagram or on TikTok um, what your thoughts are on this case because, man, I just have a hard time believing it was suicide. Shit's bonkers. Yeah. Are you ready for your positive news story? Let's go. Okay. This is going to be a quick one. Okay, let's hear it. This story comes out of the Cerso number three state prison in Juarez, Mexico. Juarez. Juarez, Mexico. <laughs> I said Juarez. What did I say? I don't know. I said Juarez, Mexico. Juarez. Restart this. No, because we left La Jolla in and I have still not heard the end of it. So continue. Okay, this one comes out of Juarez, Mexico. Juarez. <laughs> I'm not going to keep doing this. I have a phone call to make. I'll I'll see you later. I'm going to go make my phone call. (laughs) No, please come back. (laughs) Okay, I'm done, I swear. 
Okay, so we know where we're at. I'm not saying it again. Anyways, listen, this is nuts, okay? So in this prison, there were prisoners that had animals, and there were 10 animals they had, or I'm sorry, nine animals that they had in this prison, okay? Mm -hmm. And heavily armed prison, yada, yada. They recovered stacks of cash, drugs, plasma TVs, musical instruments, and even a mechanical bull inside the prison cells, which I don't even know where all this shit would have gone. (laughs) But anyways, they recovered a cat, and the cat had gang tattoos and was all tatted up. It this was tatted up. It's not a positive story it said, at all. It said Heco in Mexico, made in Mexico. And then it had all kinds of tats all <laughs> over its chest. Hold on. Hecho, Hecho. I don't know. Listen, shit was crazy. I'll, I'll give you pictures of it and you could put it on the, the gram. Here's a picture of it. The cat is this crazy. Is not real. Yes, it is. It's an Egyptian. Uh, it's an Egyptian it's breed cat. of a cat with no skin. And anyways, with no fur. It was, well, no fur, just skin. It was believed to have the severe mistreatment. It got all kinds of tats, and he's now free. And they're looking for a home to take it in. So, cat's gonna have a new life. And uh, they say the cat was serving nine life sentences. <laughs> this is a joke. <laughs> no, it's not. But the nine life sentences, I thought, was the funniest comment on the whole post. So that cat's free now. And we're all going to celebrate. <laughs> Mama. No, no, no. <laughs> all right, that's my story. I have things to say. Okay, that's my story, though. Gato is freed. Echo in Mexico. Hey, isn't that crazy? Not hecko. <laughs> hey, isn't that crazy? I can't believe. I can't believe you gave me so much shit. Do you think that's crazy? <laughs> yes. Okay. I'm out. You can finish the episode by yourself. You I love you. You gave me so much shit over La Jala. Okay, but wait a second. That is not the most positive story that I was expecting anyway. That is really sad that a cat was tortured. But I also have questions. How do you get a mechanical bull into a prison? Because How do you tattoo a cat? Well, also that, I mean, obviously that poor cat was tortured, which is not cool. I don't love that. I'm glad it's going to be, you know, saved and going to a good home. But I, I still have questions. Will you come back, please? <laughs> I just need to know how they got everything else into this prison. I have no idea. I wasn't there. I think it's insane that the cat got out of there, and I'm glad it's a positive story. And they're looking for a family that will take it in. Can and they're we not going to let the gang know where the cat is. No. I want to. I want. I'd like to apply to take this cat in. He's a cool-looking cat. I mean, obviously he's got tats, and he looks. He looks cool. But it's still very sad to think about what this cat went through. It's a positive story because he's out now. Yes. Okay. And then uh, the animals, you said there were dogs. Were the dogs in the prison to search for all this stuff? No. I don't know what kind of animals they were, or but they were animals that belonged to the prisoners. And then they just found all this stuff. I guess so. I'm going to need more context next time. Great story. I mean, not great, but like... Good job. <laughs> Tomorrow or next week, I think we could do better. We're not drunk. I don't know why. I don't know why we're acting like this. Why we are acting like what? <laughs> this is literally all you. They're okay. probably so sick of us by it's now. Time to Say go. what you need to Mama, mystery, <laughs> out. Bye. I can't. Kiss my ass. <laughs>